focused uh, on uh, something that I think followers of Jesus um, offer as a unique contribution to our world. Um, What do I mean by that? Well, everyone, just about everyone, gathers uh, together at the end of this month for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, Unless you're Canadian and then you did that in October, and if you're a Canadian living in the U.S., it's really not fair because you get two (laughs) feasts, but... um, most of us will gather with family or friends uh, to, to feast and to give thanks for the good things in our lives. I grew up going around the table, right, and saying, what are you thankful for this year? And that's good. Uh, but in this series, we're going to see that the Bible teaches that Thanksgiving is to be really a way of life for Christians all the time, not just once a year uh, at, at the Thanksgiving feast. We're supposed to practice it every single day. Uh, I was thinking another way of saying this is that instead of thanksgiving, we are to practice thanks living. Thanks living. It should encompass all of our lives. Uh, for the Christian, thanksgiving is a spiritual discipline. Uh, it's, it's a spiritual discipline that is both an, an entry-level practice and it's a mark of maturity, right? So, for example, we train our little kids to say thank you, and then we see in Scripture that uh, a mature Christian abounds in gratitude and thanksgiving. Any of us who have been parents uh, know that it is possible to say thank you without actually being thankful, right? Say thank you. And I would, with a picture that just came to my mind is, is little Ralphie with his pink uh, bunny in Christmas story, you know, your, your aunt, whatever her name was, you know, you say thank you. He's not thankful, right? Um, so we know that that happens. We, we, we try to teach our kids to say thank you, and, and maybe they're not thankful, but we persist at it because we, we believe or hope that one day this little person will, will grow into a big person who knows how to be thankful. In other words, as we continue to practice speaking words of thankfulness, sooner or later our hearts begin uh, to fall into line. Our, our hearts begin to align with this practice of gratitude and thanksgiving. And that's, that's really the nature of all of the spiritual disciplines. They're, they're these behaviors that, that change our character through our participation in them. I think that one of the reasons that Thanksgiving is so important is that it's a primary indicator of our dependence on God. It's a primary indicator of our dependence on God. Uh, in, in thanksgiving, in gratitude, we recognize that our hands are empty unless God fills them. Really, nothing belongs to us. Life itself is a gift from him. Um, and, and it's in thanksgiving, then, that we celebrate. This is hard for a lot of us. We celebrate dependence rather than independence. Dependence can be something that we celebrate. 
We don't, we don't like the words, I can't, right? But actually, when we come with empty hands to God and say, I can't, that's when he says, I can. And he loves to do that, right? Uh, I, this is so important that in Romans one twenty one. And we can read right past this, but when Paul is reflecting on how humanity is sort of circling the drain morally, he says that even though they knew God, they did not glorify or give thanks to God. How many of you have seen that before? That, that, that part of the reason for this moral decline is because they didn't give thanks to God. And so, um, thanksgiving, gratitude, uh, then is one way for us to turn that around. If, if the failure to give thanks is an indicator that we've lost touch with who we are and who God is, then giving and gratitude is a way for us to reorient ourselves to the truth of, of who we are and who God is. And the truth is, The truth is we are dependent on him. You see? So uh, one of the things that we learn about Thanksgiving is that as we continue to practice it, we begin to notice how multifaceted it is, right? So it's bigger than just saying thank you. One of my mentors has said that it's sort of the Swiss army knife of spiritual disciplines. It has so many functions. It, It serves a lot of purposes that you wouldn't not necessarily associate with thanksgiving or gratitude. So in this series, we're going to look at thanksgiving as repentance. Maybe you haven't thought of it in that way. We're going to look at thanksgiving as a way to resist anxiety and despair, moving uh, toward uh, something the Bible describes as a, as a deep abiding joy. Um, we're going to explore thanksgiving as a way to be restored to wholeness, to, to be healed. And then this morning, we're going to look at Thanksgiving as rebellion against a culture of security in things, kind of pointing to the passage that Ben read from, a culture that we live in that is a culture of grabbing for more, right? And what God calls us to is a posture of open-handedness and generosity, So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to uh, begin to turn there now, that's on page 934 of the Bibles that the ushers handed out earlier. And just before we uh, look in our Bibles at this passage, let's let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we've sung it. um, We have said it. uh, We've we've seen videos uh, already this morning about it, but we want to say thank you. Uh, We want to acknowledge that all that we have comes from you. All that we are is because of you. And with that posture, Lord, we invite you to come and teach us this morning, to speak to us in a way that, that our feeble minds can understand. And we pray that you would do it in such a way that we will know we have heard from God. And that those words that we hear from you would begin to change us on the inside and, and work their way out into uh, how we live. So come and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin at verse 6. And uh, just so you know, this morning I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation because as I've been doing the, the study on this, um, like all of the commentaries when they say, okay, so this is what this passage really means, it, it's pretty well captured in, in this translation. So uh, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 6. Paul says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, he shares freely. He gives generously to the poor. His good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the gospel of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's just too wonderful for words. So, uh, what's going on here in this passage? We we need a little context, I think, to understand it. Paul uh, is talking about an offering here. Uh, It's a special offering that he has asked the the Christians in Corinth uh, to give for the persecuted Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And the Corinthian church had promised to give it about a year before Paul wrote this. And they had been then uh, influenced by some false teachers, uh, and they didn't trust Paul. And a lot of 2 Corinthians is Paul calling the Corinthians back to the gospel that he had first preached to them and, and calling them to get back on track with following Jesus. This um, section of 2 Corinthians is often used to talk about something we do here at Grace called faith promise. It's a way to support uh, missions uh, giving here. But the truths that we find in this passage are foundational really to all of our giving. In a sense, we could say that all of our giving should be faith promise giving. And as it turns out, uh, these these truths in this passage are foundational uh, to the bigger topic of gratitude that we're looking at this morning and really for the whole month. Um, Verse 6 begins with a a simple truism that that would have been understood really by anyone in an agrarian culture at at the time. Uh, You reap what you sow. Uh, If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. Or as the New Living has it, if you plant only a few seeds, you'll get a small crop. But if you plant generously, 
you'll get a generous crop. And this is a truth that shows up over and over again in both Old and and New Testaments. Uh, it's, It's a truth that's played out in the natural world. Generally speaking, the more you plant, the more you're going to harvest. But, but Paul's not talking about farming here. He's using an illustration to talk about something else. He's actually talking about money. Uh, so Paul takes this truth that everyone accepts uh, when applied to crops, and he applies it to our finances. There's a really interesting play on the word translated generous here. Literally, the word is blessing. So it would read, if you plant blessing, you will harvest blessing. So there's this this quality of giving, not just a a quantity of giving that's involved in the language here. And there's a a quality in the way that Paul is calling the Corinthians to be generous or or to be people who bless others. He says in verse 7 that everyone must decide in their own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, a lot of you have heard this before, but the word cheerful here, the, the Greek underneath it, is the word that we get our English word hilarious from. God wants us to be giddy givers, if we can say it that way. Uh, and when Paul says God loves a cheerful giver, he's quoting from... Um, Proverbs 22.9. So this isn't a new pe- uh, teaching uh, that Paul is, is bringing here. God has always loved cheerful generosity. And we find out why when we read on into verse 8. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, he shares freely, he gives generously to the poor, his good deeds will be remembered forever. So we're, we're getting down to the bedrock of this truth that we're looking at today. Paul is calling the Corinthians back to what has always been true of God. This is, this is the anchor of it all. It's, it's the thing that, that grounds us in generosity. And that truth is this, God is generous. And his generosity to us has always, always been for the purpose uh, of us being generous to others, blessing others. Um, Verse 9, Paul quotes from Psalm 112. Uh, He shares freely, he gives generously, his good deeds will be remembered. Um, Just reading it here in 2 Corinthians, we might think that the he that Paul is talking about is God. Anyone else maybe read it that way? And and we certainly would all agree that God uh, is generous. He has shared freely with us, has given generously to us, that his righteousness will be remembered forever. But that's not what Psalm 112 is about. Psalm 112 is talking about the person who obeys God. Uh, you, you can turn there later and, and look it up. But it's describing a person that shares freely and gives generously to the poor. And their righteousness, their good deeds will be remembered forever. And even uh, when this psalm was written, it wasn't a new teaching. Because way back in Genesis, when God called Abraham and told him how he was going to bless him, he said that it was so that the nations would be blessed through him. 
God was going to bless Abraham so that the nations would be blessed through him. So you see, God has always blessed his people so that they would be a blessing to others. Now, why would he do that? Here's what I think. He wants us to be like him. He knows that we don't have endless supply. So he's going to bless us. Now be like me and bless others. God is joyfully and cheerfully given of himself. Most notably, I think, in the, in the generous gift of his son, Jesus, to us. Something that we will remember together in a little bit. And he calls his people to the same kind of giving, generous, cheerful blessing of others. Paul continues to, to make his case in verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Paul is is saying again that God's generosity to us was intended to produce generosity through us. You see? And then he introduces something new, something that is the focus uh, of our time in this series. Thanksgiving, gratitude. Paul makes a, a, a direct link between generosity and gratitude. There's, there's a, a practical side of generosity in verse 12. Their needs are going to be met. But there's a, a production of gratitude that happens at the same time. Do you see it? So something more than just the utility of meeting needs is going on here. It's producing in these people down in Jerusalem joyful worship of God. And then he continues in, in verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the gospel of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's just too wonderful for words. Again, Paul is saying that as a result of the generosity of the Corinthians, the Christian Jews in Jerusalem will give thanks or glory to God. And then he notches it up. He he takes the whole argument up a notch. Paul links generosity to the gospel. Our generosity, he says, proves that we are obedient to the gospel of Christ. So just like the generosity A generous person in Psalm 112 proves his obedience to God. For believers in Jesus, our generosity proves that we are obedient to the gospel. These can be kind of tricky words here uh, because as evangelicals, we're, we're really careful to teach that there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. And that's absolutely true. The Bible teaches that. Our problem is, is that sometimes we inadvertently teach that once you're saved, there's nothing more you have to do, right? 
And the truth is that the gospel of Christ actually demands a lot from us. Uh, in my study on this, commentator after commentator said things like, there is no such thing as a stingy Christian. If you meet one, they're probably not. It, it, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. Our generosity proves that the gospel has taken root in our hearts. Verse 14, Paul says that these Jewish Christians will have deep affection for the Corinthians, something that they wouldn't naturally have. But because of the overflowing grace God has given to them, they will end up with this deep affection for the Corinthians. Uh, A few weeks ago, I shared a photo of some of the peer mentors from CCMH who had done a food drive to help with our Taste of Grace ministry. And some of these peer mentors have been helped by our Operation Dignify ministry and our Taste of Grace ministry uh, in their own efforts to get off the streets and and get free of addiction. It's really a wonderful program because then as they get free of those addictions, they turn around and help their peers who are still on the streets, still um, uh, caught uh, in chains, really, to, to whatever addiction they're in. So in gratitude for the help they've received, they turned around and helped us. Uh, their food drive was called Helping the Helpers. I, I just, I love that. Some of these people refer to grace as their church. I haven't seen them here on a Sunday morning, but this is their church. Some of them pray for us because of the good work that we're doing out in the, out in the community. Um, I, I just think it's an amazing and, and beautiful example of how generosity and gratitude go hand in hand, and, and, and then it reproduces. Well, Paul ends the section by lifting up his own thanksgiving to God when he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's just too wonderful for words. You know, this is the only place in the Bible that the word indescribable is used. In fact, it's the only place in Greek literature that the word occurs. It seems that in, uh, as Paul is reflecting on God's generosity uh, to him expressed in the, in the gospel of Christ, Paul literally makes up a new word indescribable to describe something he can't even fathom. Um, so, what's going on here? Why, why am I talking about this uh, this morning? Let me, let me try to connect the, the dots here that I see in this passage. Uh, first of all, generosity begins with God. This passage reiterates it over and over again. Verse 8, God will generously provide all you need. Verse 10, just like God provides seed for the farmer, he will provide and increase your resources. Verse 11, you will be enriched or provided for in every way. Verse 14, God has given an overflowing amount of grace to us. Verse 15, God's provision of grace is indescribable. Generosity begins with God. That is where we start. 
But the second thing uh, that is true is that uh, an awareness of God's generosity is supposed to, to spark gratitude in us. And without that gratitude, we become like the person described in Romans 1 who who is involved in all kinds of horrible sin because they don't recognize who God is anymore. And the way they got there was, was failing to be grateful, right? And through gratitude, we're we're able to turn that around, keep it moving in the, in the right direction. And then the third thing I see here is that his, this gratitude produces then generosity from us. So God is generous. We become aware of his generosity and we become grateful. And then that gratitude produces generosity from us. It's implied in this text, but it's really a truth that's throughout uh, the Bible. Generous, uh, grateful people are generous people. Uh, Mark McMinn is a professor at George Fox, and in his book on Christian virtues, he says this, with gratitude comes generosity. At first glance, this connection is filled with paradox because gratitude is about Receiving and generosity is about giving. But if we can break away from our, from our linear assumptions, we begin to see a cycle where gratitude and generosity are deeply connected and intertwined. So the process that begins with divine grace leads to profound gratitude for the gifts of each day and then comes full circle and produces a sort of human grace of generosity. And as we live with open hands, gratefully remembering God's sustaining and gracious presence in every moment, the miser in us recedes. I love that. The miser in us recedes. Here's, here's maybe another way to diagram this concept. Uh, the idea of this cycle of, of God's generosity, our gratitude, our generosity which then starts the cycle all over again. It becomes sort of this perpetual motion uh, engine that, that God fuels with his own generosity, right? And God is so committed to this that the only thing he ever invites us to test him on is this. It's the only time God says, test me on this. The prophet Malachi was warning the people of Israel that they needed to repent and return to God. And in their lack of gratitude, he said that they were robbing from God by not giving their tithes and offerings. And God's solution in Malachi 3.10 was to tell them this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough provisions in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That's God speaking. I don't remember what the movie 
was, uh, I think it was Jack Nicholson who said, you can't handle the truth, right? This is God saying, you can't handle all the blessings. You don't have room for it all. Test me on this, he says. Put me to the test. Becky and I have seen this uh, repeatedly over the years. We receive from God. We're generous. uh, We're grateful in that and generous. And then he provides. And quite honestly, she's not here this morning. Honey, you're watching from home, I think. She's way better at this than I am. She's, She's just a generous person that comes out of her gratitude for how God has been generous to her. I was, I was talking with someone this week um, who shared with me that when they first became a Christian, someone taught them how to be generous, faithful givers. And, and God has never failed to provide for them. Uh, shared a story with you before of, of another couple in our church who, when they were young marrieds, I think over 50 years ago now, they were challenged by another man in our church to tithe right off the top. First, first check written every month. For, for those of you who aren't familiar with the word tithe, it literally means tenth. And, and it, uh, it's, it's the first thing you give, right? It's the first check written. Anyway, the man who challenged them to do this told them that if they did, he would pay for any of their bills that they couldn't afford to pay at the end of the month. Not once did they have to ask for help. God provided. It's what he does. Test me on this, he says. See, the point is, if we are aware of God's generosity to us, the proper response is deep gratitude. I don't think anyone would would argue that, right? But in God's design, that gratitude is is supposed to create something in us, a desire for generosity back to him for the work of his kingdom. And the more we do that, the more he just keeps pouring on the provision. And our ability to give to his kingdom work just continues. It's based on his unending provision. And God says, test me on this. I'll show you. I, I want to thank you uh, all uh, for the generosity that you have uh, shown to, to Becky and to me. Last week, um, we received so many cards of appreciation on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Um, Quite honestly, that's new to us. We, we never had that before. It's really amazing. We're humbled by it. Um, so, so thank you. I want to say thank you uh, uh, for your generosity to this church. Because many of you have faithfully supported this church financially for decades, helping to even raise this, this building and, and paying extra above and beyond your regular giving to to help pay down the the remaining debt on this building. Thank you. 
The financial gifts that you give each week are, are going toward ministry with real people who are so grateful, so very grateful for what you have done to help them. You know what? My honest belief is that one day I'm going to be baptizing some of these people right here. Because they're going to they're move from just gratitude of, of us helping them out to learning about Jesus, like the, like the kid in the Operation Christmas Child. I mean, it was, you know, it was a progression. And when he, when he heard about Jesus, he, he said, I want that, right? We have missionaries around the world who are able to take the good news of Jesus to people who haven't heard. And they're able to do that because of your faithful supporting of our mission's efforts here. Um, There are people around the world who know Jesus because we sent someone to tell them, right? Children who receive boxes of toys and clothes and the message of a God who loves them. So thank you for that. But I also want to say that we need everyone participating. Many of you are doing so much, but we need everyone participating. We need everyone in this church to be so overwhelmed with gratitude for the generosity of God that that they will step into the same kind of generosity. You know, Ben and his team of youth workers are trying to do their part to reach young people in our community with the good news of Jesus. I I looked this week, there's about 600 middle schoolers uh, at St. Helens Middle School who need to hear about Jesus. There's another 800 to 1,000, I think, at the high school who need to hear about Jesus. In, In a sense, they're just waiting for someone to come and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, But our volunteers work jobs. Ben's a part-time interim. He's not here for long. Um, And even at part-time, he's some weeks putting in over 40 hours. Uh, We need a full-time youth pastor. But as Kurt shared last week in our business meeting, we'd be hard-pressed right now to afford one. We're only given to about 75% of our budget. Now, I'm not trying to browbeat. I hate that when pastors do it. It's why I don't talk about money much. I hate talking about money. In fact, verse 7 of this passage um, specifically speaks against that when it says each person should decide in their own heart, not reluctantly or under pressure. But here's what I know. I I, I know that when we understand how good and generous God has been to us, and if, if we will hold the things he has given us loosely, believing that he will continue to supply all we need, he does it. And then he keeps on supplying so that we can keep on giving. And it just keeps going like that. So this morning, I just, I want us all to consider whether um, 
Our generosity is a good reflection of our gratitude to God for what he has done for us. And if it's not, then we need to ask ourselves the question, how can we more fully trust God? Dependence on him, right? How can we more fully trust him to provide as we practice generosity uh, toward God's work through the ministries of this church? And I want to say that if you're willing, uh, you can step into this very powerful cycle of of uh, uh, gratitude and, and generosity, of, of receiving and then giving blessing that is so much more than sitting around the table here in a few weeks and saying, well, here's what I'm thankful for this year. Right? Let's pray. Lord, thanks again for all you have done for us, uh, most notably in giving your son, but also just the day-to-day provisions that you give us and sustain us with. Uh, your faithfulness that is, that is shown to us all the time. Thank you for that. Holy Spirit, grow in us our gratitude and desire to be like God in our generosity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.